0: The taking of an innocent life. need to pray that God... that he does is ascribes to us the walk of a lost man. Now I want you to understand a little historical setting here with uh, where these Ephesians were at. When when we think about the, the wickedness of our day and and we think that uh, it has never been this bad, it has been this bad before in, in different times and ages, And and I just want to read some things about what was going on. Of Ephesus. And it tells us, like the church in our own, way, own day, the churches at Ephesus and in almost every non-Palestinian area in New Testament times were surrounded by rank paganism and attendant immorality. Ephesus was a leading commercial and cultural city of the Roman Empire. It boasted the great pagan temple of Artemis or Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But it was also a leading City in debauchery and sexual immorality. Some historians rank it as the most lascivious city of Asia Minor. The Temple of Artemis was the center of much of the wickedness like those in the most pagan religions. Its rituals and practices were but extensions of man's vilest and most perverted sins. Male and female roles were interchanged. Orgiastic sex, homosexuality, perversion was common. Artemis was herself a sex goddess, represented by an ugly, repulsive black female idol that looked something like a cross between a cow and a wolf. She was served by thousands of temple prostitutes, eunuchs, singers, dancers, and priests and priestesses. Idols of Artemis and other deities were to be seen everywhere. popularity were silver idols and religious artifacts. It was because Paul's preaching cut deeply into that trade that the Ephesian silversmiths rallied the populace against him and his fellow believers, and we looked at that a while back in Acts chapter 19. The temple of Artemis contained one of the richest art collections then in existence. It was also used as a bank, because most people feared stealing from within its walls they incur the wrath of the goddess and other deities. A quarter mile, this is crazy, a quarter mile wide perimeter served as an asylum for criminals who were safe from apprehension and punishment as long as they remained within the temple confines. For obvious reasons, the presence of hundreds of hardened criminals added still further to Ephesus's and vice. The 5th century B.C. Greek philosopher Heraclitus, himself a pagan, referred to Ephesus as the darkness of vileness. The morals were lower than animals, and the inhabitants of Ephesus were fit only to be drowned. That's what he said. There is no reason to believe that the situation had changed much by Paul's day. If anything, it may have been worse was a small island of despised people in a giant cesspool of wickedness. Most of the believers had themselves once been a part of that paganism. They frequently passed by places where they once caroused and ran into friends with whom they once indulged in debauchery. They faced continual temptations to revert to the old ways Helps us to understand the, the the situation that they were in during that time. We, we we might say, well, Paul didn't understand where we're at today. Yes, Paul very much understood where we are today. He, he was dealing with much of that. Even more so, more violent were they than even what we are today, and 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 they are getting more violent as we go. We know that. And but he was in a very violent time at this time. Just like he has placed us here now at this time for his purpose. And so that's what we, we need to understand, that, that it's a wicked day and, and we need to understand how important it is then that we walk uh, in a godly way and, and in a powerful, confident way in our faith, knowing that God wants us to stand for righteousness, stand for the gospel of Christ. Tell people the good news and let them see and know and understand how good our Savior is. And so how do we do that? Well, first of all, he gives us a command to the believers in verse 17. This I say, therefore, what has he said? He's already said in chapter 4, in the first 16 verses, that he started it off, if you recall, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. simple layman terms that i can understand is that you need you need to walk in a way that represents your savior in a good manner that's what he's telling us to do and we have a responsibility to do that and and when we do that then it brings unity in the body of believers and so as believers then as we are walking in the power of the in the calling of salvation that God has given to us and walking in a way that represents that, it brings a unity. And so, this I say, therefore, in this unity that I have been describing to you, then, he's saying, and I testify in the Lord. I, I am telling you that this works, and and he testifies that from his own behavior, his own life, his own experiences that, that he has uh, uh, experienced in his own life. Writing this down because God has inspired him to write it. That you henceforth no longer, okay, no longer do you walk. And how walk not as other Gentiles walk. This is this is ultimately a command. And he's t- and and the word Gentiles in this situation, when Paul uses it this way, he's talking about every unbeliever, all. This was a Gentile city, uh, mainly made up of them. There were some that were Jews there, but he's saying, uh, he just, get, there's no difference. Unsaved is unsaved. And they were paganistic in their ideas. And here it's a command, and he says, henceforth, from now on, stop acting and walking and doing as the world. Stop being like them. They're, they offer you nothing that. God uh, wants you to have, and God has something far better for you. And stop letting them infiltrate into your mind, into your thoughts, into your uh, your, your way of life, and how you are conducting business, and uh, all the things that you're thinking, and and even in your lifestyle that you have. Everything needs to be different. Stop walking like the Gentiles. Well, how do they walk? Well, they walk in the vanity of their mind. That's what he tells us. He says. Uh, and so here we we see the command in verse 17 but verses 17 through 19 then we see the description of that pagan mind or or the walk of a lost man and these are the things that we do not need to do don't walk around in in the vanity of of an unsaved mind you have the mind of christ we have the holy spirit of god we we have the the very word of god in front of us and we have a holy who can illuminate our thoughts and our minds and and our understanding to know what it says and be able to apply it to our lives and be exactly who God wants us to be. And, and, And if you are going to walk as the world, then the world is walking in the vanity of their mind. And it's a dangerous place when we think about vanity and it's empty, it's futile is purpose, there is no purpose, it's purposelessness, (laughs) there is no purpose, none whatsoever, they have no answers to the problems that are out there, They, they only look at answers that it's either a physical problem or it's a mental problem, there is nothing called spiritual in their ideas, they're a dichotomy and they think there's only two parts, however we know that there's a third part a trichotomy because it represents who God is and that very trinity. And God has given us a soul and that eternal soul and that spiritual consciousness and the the, the God consciousness that we all have. And they want to push that aside and say that that has nothing to do with any of the issues of life. And and we can solve all these problems by either medicating it or or the, the buzzword is, is teaching wellness. Well, how do you teach wellness? The only way you're going to be well and healthy is by trusting Christ as your Savior and walking according to the Word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit and being exactly what God wants you to be in this lost and unsaved world. And so here we see that they walk about in the vanity of their mind and, and there is nothing of their mind that is set upon anything of Meeting today, and 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 I and I appreciate the heart of of some of the community people that were there, concerned about. Um, I thought it was going to be a concern about the suicide rates of our children, and I'm concerned about that. Very concerned about about our children, and not just ours here, ours in the community this and you and you find that that there is a hopelessness that that's what leads them to uh uh, the ideas of suicide they think that they're in a hopeless situation that they and what does the world say well in this situation for a young lady that that gets pregnant she thinks it's a hopeless situation and and the government is very happy say yeah it's a hopeless situation so only hope you have then is kill that baby and 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 problem that you have it's a physical problem here and, and, and you get rid of that baby and then everything will be okay once again in your life and they never even give a thought and there's there's no idea in their life that that, that baby has a purpose that that baby has a calling in God's life that, that God has for his life and that he has a plan for that baby and, and, and all of a sudden then you rip that out of your body and and you and you take away that possibility and now the government has left the church then to pick up the pieces of someone who's dealing with, with, with self-hate, they're dealing with grief, they're dealing with shame, they're dealing with embarrassment, and they're trying to medicate it by taking away, by doing drugs, going to alcohol, going into all kinds of other relationships that are out there, and, and they all they do then is they keep going down and down and down, because that's all the devil is going to do to them, and bring them to a point where they will suicide. Thank you, government. Thank you, Mr. Polis. And all the senators and all the representatives in this wicked state who want to think that that's going to give somebody hope, and it does nothing of the sort. It's vain. not walk in the vanity of our mind. And he reminds us that we have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Because he goes on, he says, not only do they walk in the vanity of their mind, but they also, having the understanding darkened. It's a sinful lifestyle, and it darkens one's mind, and he is unable to comprehend the, the way of God. Matthew chapter fifteen, and uh, let's see if I can find it now. And and um, <laughs> verse fourteen. <laughs> this is the lost world. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. what God's talking about. The world can't understand the word of God. They're walking about in the vanity of their mind. have no choice. They think that they're free and, and that it's the Christians that are under bondage, but it's just the opposite. God, Jesus Christ is the one that gives us liberty. Jesus Christ is the one that gives us freedom. God is the one that breaks the chains of the sin. God's the one who breaks the chains of a, of a mind that has been blinded and deceived by and mercies and grace of God, and, and, and God is the one that delivers us from all of those things and, and brings us into a point where no longer are we walking blindly and, and in the dark and, and have no understanding of, uh, and, and you finally realize you have a purpose in life and you have a direction in life and, and you have goals in your life that, that God wants to see in your life and, and in your walk and in your duties that you have and your responsibilities. Unable and he cannot comprehend the way of God. And, and until our country can see, and until our state can see, and until our church body can truly see that, I, I'm, I'm just tired of Christians thinking that they can walk some line and, and, and walking in the world and walk with God and use the world's ways to, 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 to bring it to God's ways. It doesn't work. It is black and white. There are absolutes in this world today. There are absolutes in the Bible today. There are two genders. There's a man and a a woman. That's the only two genders there are. There's a truth that there's a narrow way that gets you to heaven, and there's a broad way that will lead you to destruction, and the narrow way is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the life, and the truth, and he's the only way that's going to get you to heaven. He's the only one that's going to give you joy. He's the only one that can give you discernment. He's the only one that will give you purpose for eternity. He's the only one that can truly give you a joy in this crazy, wicked world, and we need to be telling people about who Jesus is. And quit worrying about the world and and, and quit thinking that we got to act like them. He told us and he commanded us, you stop doing that. That's what he was telling the Ephesians. He's telling us today. They have a darkened understanding. You know what it does? You ever, you ever been with someone or someone that was in a relationship where that companion alienated them from everybody else. you ever seen one of those? I mean they're a wicked relationship where where they take that person and they pull them away from all of their family they, they pull them away from anybody that that has any kind of an influence on them and and, and they and they control everything about them. Well, that's wicked, right? Well, that's exactly what sin does. And that's exactly what the world does. Look what it says. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You see, the devil never wants people to understand who God truly is. God's the one, I said, breaks the chains. God's the one that opens your eyes. God's the one that shows you that you have a purpose. God's the one that shows you that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made in his very hands and for his very purpose. And Jeremiah, go back to Jeremiah chapter one and and read there where where God told Jeremiah that that I knew you before I even formed you in the womb. And and don't be afraid of what they say. And Don't be afraid of what they can do. You just get out there and you just keep telling people that that I'm the answer, that I'm the way, and that I will be with you for all eternity. (laughs) How good is that? I mean, we need to stand up and tell people the truth because the, the truth does not alienate you, but the deception of the world does. And it alienates someone from, as it says, uh, in this verse, from the life of God. The life of God is a life full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of purpose. You know, that's the amazing thing about the love that God can, gives us. It, it is supernatural, and it only comes from the Holy Spirit. only comes from God, and so the world does not understand the God they love. it comes from God and it's only seen and and experienced through those who are believers today and so we have that kind of love and you know that if there is anyone that that has walked the way of the world and, and, and they have thought the way of the world and they've done some of these things even if someone has fallen prey to the deception of abortion and thought that it was right maybe even had an abortion at some time you know what things right with God you get things right with God's people and they'll love you and take you right where you are and help you to be where you need to be and God is full of forgiveness and God is full of grace and God is full of mercy but oh if there's never a repentant heart of that you're walking around and you are going to be alienated from the very life that God wants to give you and the goodness of God is there in that life of God and we ought to enjoy that and I have to hurry. <laughs> but he goes on, he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Oh, our world, you know, they're they're always what what is that in First Timothy where they're all over to lasciviousness. You know, I think there are those in our world today that have given up the fight, and they've given up the fight and thinking, you know what, it's just uh, that there, there's no way that I can defeat this, and and there's no way that I can defeat these feelings that I have. There's no way that I can defeat the addictions that I have. There's, there's no way that I can get past tell me one time a first responder tell me one time that y- you know why so many first responders drink so heavily is because they just want to go home and they want to be able to forget and stop feeling what they're feeling after the bad experience that they just had that that's a that's a bad way to deal with things okay guys you you want to do that and so now you start medicating with some kind of a drug or an alcohol To lasciviousness and lasciviousness has the idea it, it just is a general term for all kinds of wicked immoral acts and they just let themselves go because they're in a life of hopelessness can I tell you that you don't have to be there that God can take you out of the miry clay and out of the deepest of ditches and lift you up and put your feet on a rock and give you a new song burdens away that have been trying to destroy you and he can put a new song in your heart and, and he'll give you a purpose to stand for the righteousness of god he'll give you a purpose to go out and tell others about jesus and and you know what the the pay here might not be very good but the retirement is out of this world thought to that that's a that's all kinds of impurities with a vicious attitude and then greediness is just being insatiable you're just never satisfied you just want more and more and more and more and you die you go to that grave you spend an eternity in hell chasing after something For. Let us stand for the truth and let us stop walking like the world. Let us be different. Father, pray your blessings on tonight in Jesus' name.